The week before that, we deal with this topic of authority and submitting to authority. And that week, we looked at submitting to authority in the form of civil government. And I know that was, had some challenging things that Peter said to us about it. So today, we're going to have the same idea of submitting to authority again, but even a little different twist on it. This time, even if submitting to authority, even if submitting to authority results in personal suffering. And what does that look like? And, and I want to say this, here's just a simple reality I want to say before we get to what Peter says, is what Peter says is un-American. What Peter's going to say to us is anti-Western world thinking. It doesn't jive with the way we look at things. Um, therefore, what Peter says here is going to have the ability to offend us, right? But if it has the ability to offend us, it also has the ability to help us mature and become better and develop more into the image of Jesus. Now, in order for that to happen, to help us to mature, we need to be receptive to something that I believe has a potential to maybe grate against the core values that we've established because of our culture. And in order to do that, to to be open to something that is going to initially make us maybe put our defenses up, It's going to take trust in God and His Word. It's going to take wisdom to say, I want to hear what the Word of God has to say to me today because I want to be open to it and allow the Spirit to do a work in my life. And I think that in order to do that, the advice of one of the most trusted preachers in modern Christianity, I think could be really helpful for us here before we look at the text. Who's ever heard of a guy named Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon, right? If you've, been, if you've been around Christianity at all, read stuff, you know of Charles Spurgeon. Let me read what Charles Spurgeon has to say, not about this text, but about the Word of God. He says this, now it's written maybe a hundred years ago, so it's got a little different language, but understand this. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. We are walkers through the city of this world, and we are often called to go into this darkness Let us never venture there without the life-giving word, lest we slip with our feet. Each man should use the word of God personally, practically, and habitually, that he may see his way and see what lies in it. When darkness settles down upon all around me, the word of the Lord, like a flaming torch, reveals my way. Having no fixed lamps in eastern towns, In old times, each passenger carried a lantern with him that he might not fall into an open sewer or stumble over heaps of odure or manure which defile the road. Aren't you glad you don't live in those days, the good old days? That is a true picture of our path through this dark world. We should not know the way or how to walk in it. If Scripture, like a blazing flambeau or torch, did not reveal it. One of the most practical benefits of the Holy Writ, or Holy Bible, is guidance in the acts of daily life. It is not sent to astound us with its brilliance, but to guide us by its instruction. It is true the head needs illumination, but even more that the feet need direction, else head and feet may both fall into a ditch. Happy is the man who personally appropriates God's word and practically uses it as a comfort and a counselor, 
a lamp to his feet. So that's the way we want to approach the Word of God today. We want to begin today to look at God's Word for direction, for comfort, as he says here, and counsel, as he says here, allowing the Word of God to shape how we think and how we live, even if what it says it could be contrary in some ways to the values that we've developed from the culture that we live in. So he's saying, let the Word of God guide us in the darkness of the world. Who's open to doing that today? Are you? Good. Then let's look at our text. First Peter, chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 18 through 25. That's what it says. Servants must servants be submissive to your masters with all respect. Not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor. If for the sake of conscience towards God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for how you, for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth, and while being reviled, he did not revile in return, while suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously." And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. And we'll stop right there. Remember the book at the beginning of the service today, I said that I, if I wrote, no one would ever want to read, right? Well, the title of that book would come from verse 21. Look at verse 21. For you have been called for this purpose. He's talking about suffering. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. The title of the book would be this. The Christian's Call. Suffering. The Christian's Call. Suffering. Anybody want to pre-order my book? No? Okay, a couple of you. Good. I'll get writing on it. Whether you'd buy the book or not, let's let God's word be a lamp unto our feet, as Spurgeon said today, as we learn about how we should face suffering as Christians. We find that what Paul, Peter is going to say here, that suffering is Christianity, that suffering is not an exception to the rule for the Christian, but according to Peter here, it actually is the rule for the Christian. Now the first thing then that I want us to notice is how Peter starts out making his teaching very real and very extreme about suffering. Verses 18 through 20 that we read about this thing about servants and masters. Verse 18 through 20 are meant to be a very real world illustration of how someone of that day, in that time, 
may have had to suffer, real-world things that was going on in their life. Many of those that Peter was writing to had become Christians in that time, and when they became Christians, they at that time were servants. They were the bottom of the rung of society, who were, um, who were um, indentured to others as their workers, as their servants. They really had very little or no rights. And this idea that they lived in there goes well beyond our idea of employment, that these folks were servants, and there were many of them that became Christians, and they existed as servants just to get enough um, sustenance, food and shelter to survive, that they were the absolute bottom rung of the, of the society, the bottom of the heap of their society. And Peter uses them as an extreme example of being oppressed and mistreated. As an example to all believers, and I think he's right like this, he's kind of like saying this, hey, this is how they should suffer in this very difficult circumstance, those who are servants. So you and I, who probably have it a lot easier than that, can surely also be submissive to authority, even if it isn't um, all that easy for us to do that. And look here at what he says about suffering. He says, be submissive to authority that is over you. And remember last week that we found, or two weeks ago, we found that Peter said that the authority that is over you, like it or not, is ultimately under the authority of God. And a lot of us struggle with that, but it's ultimately under the authority of God. He says, so be submissive, be respectful, not only to those who treat you well, but also to those who mistreat you. In fact, he goes on to say something that probably sounds crazy to us, that if we are submissive and show respect towards those who mistreat us, he says, then that finds favor with God. You ever read something and go, okay, Lord, time out. That doesn't make any sense to me. You ask the question, how can this be? How can being respectful and kind to those who mistreat us find favor with God? Doesn't God know that we have been taught in our society to always stand up for our rights, to picket, to protest, to fight? Doesn't God know that it is the American way? And if it's the American way, well, then it must be the only right way. Well, just maybe that's not, at least according to Peter and the Holy Spirit who's inspired him. How could it be that bearing mistreatment with kindness and grace, not fighting back, not going tit for tat with somebody, not when I'm slandered, slandering back, when I'm yelled at, yelling back, how could that find favor with God? Because that's how God is. That's who God is. Is. Think of this. The Bible says this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Think of that. God is so kind he would die. God is kind to those who mistreat him. God is kind to those who reject him. God is kind to those who lie about him. God is kind to those who, who uh, deny him. He's so kind that he gives his life for us. And why would he do it? All in an attempt to help people discover 
His love and respond to His offer of salvation. When we are mistreated and we respond with respect and kindness and grace, we are revealing the reality of God's character within us. We are, in essence, acting like God Himself. Helping others see God in us as we act differently than the world around us by the transformative power of God in our personal lives that says, I am actually acting towards somebody like God acts towards humanity. And that's what Peter is explaining here. That's what Peter is explaining in the rest of this paragraph. He's explaining how Jesus is really three things. He is our model, he is our ability, and he is our comfort in times of unjust treatment. He's showing how we can follow his example. Look at verse 21 again. For we've been called for this purpose. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. We've been called for the purpose of suffering well. Suffering like Jesus. Don't think for a minute that when you suffer in this life that somehow God has forgotten you or God has abandoned you. And that's what I see so often in the lives of people in the church world that when something goes wrong and they suffer unjustly, that's just not fair. And it's not. We conclude that somehow God has forgotten us, that God, has, as, as Pastor Paul said, is a distant God who's not in fair, involved in the affairs of life, which we know is not true because it's not biblical, but we think that you must just not be involved, or you don't care, you don't love me, or you don't, you've abandoned me, you don't love me. Well, he proved his love already. He did it on the cross. His love is never in question. So often we think when we suffer that somehow God's wrong, or not around. No. Peter is trying to tell us something that's hard to swallow. He's saying suffering is part of the Christian experience. Look at what Peter says here. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Jesus is our example of how to suffer properly when we're mistreated. We follow in his steps. Think about how Jesus suffered. First of all, he willingly left the glory of heaven to come to this broken down world filled with sinful people. He chose to do that. He chose to do that. He chose to enter into suffering for the benefit of others. Then, while here, he submitted to unjust people who lied about him. They mistreated him. They eventually killed him in the most horrible way any human could ever be killed by being crucified on a cross. And while being mistreated and tortured, he did not revile those who harmed him. Rather, while being crucified, what does he cry out to the Father? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. While he suffers... He cries out for grace and forgiveness upon the people who are mistreating him. Remember, Peter's saying, Jesus serves our example of how we should suffer. How did Jesus act then in suffering? He acted exactly the opposite of natural humanity. And that's the point. He is the opposite. 
Why? Because he is grace. He is love. He is kindness. He is forgiveness. The opposite of self-centered, fallen humanity because of the effects of sin in this world. And he invites us into his world to live his way, to live like him, and to walk in his footsteps. Why? So that we reveal his reality and his glory to a world who's lost without him. Think about it, church. When you are mistreated, do you act more like the average guy on the street or like Jesus? Explained by Jesus here. Do you act more when mistreated, unjustly treated, more like the average guy on the street or like Jesus revealed in the scriptures? I'm not sure I like the answer to that when I ask it. See, Jesus is inviting us to a different way of life. Christianity is not about learning facts. Christianity is about living with in step with our Savior and allowing His life to be formed in us so that we walk through the world and people literally see a reflection of Jesus in us. And we live in His, in his presence and His wonder and His grace. That's what Christianity is, is, is. Jesus is inviting us into a different way of life. And friends, it is a better way of life because it's His way of life. But you say this, You say, but I can't do that. You don't know me. I'm Italian. Well, I'm German. We're the cause of two world wars. You know, the Germans. You can use it all day long. My my relatives all do. Well, that's just what I am. I'm a German. No. You say you can't do it. I get that. What's Peter say? Peter says we can And friends, that's what verse 24 is about. Look at verse 24. And he himself, let's talk about Jesus. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that, underline so that in your Bible, that's underlined in my Bible, underline that, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness for by his wounds you were healed. Jesus gives us the ability to suffer like he did. That's what verse 24 is about. Look what Peter wrote. He bore our sins so that we might die to sin and what? Live to righteousness. Jesus bore our sins on the cross. Why? So that to accomplish, so that we might die to sin, the control of sin, living in a sinful way, and instead live differently, live to righteousness. He died for us so that we could break the power of sin in our lives, to break the curse of sin and death, to set us free from the change of sin so that we can live righteously. We can live different than the lost world around us, live different than we have our entire lives without Jesus. We can live then, according to the context here, live and suffer like Jesus did. Friends, when you were born again, when you were saved, became a Christian, when you were, set, you were set free from your past life of sin by coming to Jesus, when you came to Him as Lord and Savior. And when that happens, you are then enabled. You are empowered by the Spirit 
to live above sin. You are now able to say as a Christian, no to sin. To say no to living like the world that says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, tit for tat. You hit me, I'll hit you back. You slander me, I'll slander you back. He died to set us free from that. So died so that we can live like Jesus. In Christ, we have the power of the Holy Spirit to live above the sinful ways of the world. So friends, you can suffer well. You can choose not to retaliate when something goes wrong. You can choose to love and to forgive those who mistreat you because you have been set free from the bonds of sin so that you can live in righteousness. You can live the way Jesus lives. And friends, we need to be reminded of this. If you have given your life to Jesus, then you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be able to live out the Christian life. You're not a slave to sin anymore. Don't let the world or the devil lie to you. When the scriptures say you can do it, yes, you can do it. Because it's not about you. It's about God in you. And church, let's stop making excuses for our sinful behavior. We have the Holy Spirit of God working in our lives to help us to live out the righteousness of God. Let's own that. Will it be perfect? No. But let's use that as our goal. Let me be like Jesus. Let's own that. Let's stand upon this. Now one last thing that Peter has to say about you and me living differently than the world around us. Choosing to be loving and kind and respectful even when being mistreated. And it's this. Jesus is not only our example. He showed us how to suffer. Our ability because of spirit within us. He is also our comfort when we're going through suffering. And let's be honest. Peter isn't saying that living this way would be easy or fun. It might not be easy or fun, but it is the best way to live. It is the freest way to live because you choose how you act instead of being a person who just responds in kind to the things around you. But that does not mean it will be easy. So we also have the comfort of Jesus. And that's what verse 25 is about. Look at verse 25. For you are continually straying like sheep. But now you have returned to the shepherd and the guardian of your souls. Peter says that before you knew Jesus, you were straying. You were, we were living our lives, our own ways, in all of the negative consequences that come from living our own ways. He says, but now we have returned to Jesus. We have come to him as Savior and Lord. And notice the two descriptive words that he uses here. For Jesus, when we know him, he is the shepherd and the guardian of our souls. These words speak of his comfort towards us in suffering. He is our shepherd. We are shepherded by Jesus. David understood this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He he restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, 
they comfort me. Thou set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I've anointed my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's being shepherded by Jesus. That's the life we're called into. That's what Peter is saying happens to us when we go through hard times. Isn't it good to know that even in suffering, in the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. Thy rod and thy thy staff, they comfort me. There's a picture on the wall of my office. One year I had done a project for a master's and it was a bunch of pictures that represented the 23rd Psalm. And the, I had to have a picture that described, Thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And I went out in the woods and the trees and the sun was shining and I took a picture up through the trees. And the sun is up there and it's shining through and the trees are there. And this last two weeks ago, I was at a silent retreat for five days praying and I was walking through the woods and I remember that picture. And the sun was shining through the trees and I said, Thou art with me. And this, this pine tree, thy rod, and this oak tree, thy staff, they comfort me. He shepherds us. The psalmist understood it. He says when we go through suffering, he is our shepherd. He is shepherding us. He's protecting us through this. God has not left us alone to slug it out in this world. He cares for us like a shepherd does for a sheep. But also... Peter says, in suffering, he's our guardian. He guards us. He protects us. There's nothing that comes into our lives that God does not allow, even suffering. He loves us enough to allow suffering to come into our lives, to strip away anything that could stand in the way of our intimacy with him. And he loves us and the world so much that he allows suffering into our lives to reveal his reality to others through us as we suffer differently than the world around us. And they go, that's different. Well, friends, that's what they said about Jesus. While being reviled, he didn't revile in return. While being crucified, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And when we act the same way, that people say the same thing. There's something different about him. He reminds me of another man. His name is Jesus. When we suffer well. I can't say I always understand this when I'm going through it. Matter of fact, when I'm in the middle of suffering and mis- mis- being mistreated, I don't think I ever understand it at the moment. Suffering still hurts. And watching others that we love suffer is gut-wrenching. Yet I believe God's word and Peter says, even in our suffering, God is our guardian. He's watching over us. He's protecting us. He's holding our souls safely. So, would you buy my book? The Christian's Call. Suffering. Subtitle. Jesus is our example, our ability, and our comfort in suffering. We might not like this idea because it flies in the face of So much of what we hear. But experience says every single one of us is going to go through seasons of suffering. And how we walk through them determines who we become. An old saying, you get bitter or you get better. You get better 
by acting like Jesus. You get bitter by biting and devouring and acting like the world around you that doesn't know Jesus. And Jesus' plan for you is to get better because he loves you. So as we walk through sufferings in this life, and they are everywhere, we can look to Peter in his letter that he wrote to suffering Christians and let his words shape and guide us, be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway going through this world. Let's pray together. Lord, we want to be different than the world around us. Lord, we want, I'm speaking just by faith here for our church family, we want to be like Jesus. And Lord, we say that, but I don't think when I say it, when we pray that, we really understand what we're saying because we're saying, invite me into the Jesus life. And Lord, we think of the Jesus life as the one who, who, who feeds 5,000 with a couple of fish and loaves, who walks on water, but the Jesus life ultimately is a life of suffering and sacrifice for the well-being of other people. But we know, Lord, the only real life is the Jesus life. And I say, we say by faith, we want to be like Jesus. And we see in the text that we looked at today, Lord, that that means that we need to suffer differently than those around us suffer. God, we're not, we're not standing here today and saying, hey, bring on the suffering. That would be foolhardy. We're not asking that. But we're saying as suffering comes, and it does, and Lord, in this society, it only feels like it's going to get worse standing up for Christian values and Christian ways, we're becoming more and more and more different looking than the world around us. And God, we know that has ramifications and the world doesn't like it, the devil doesn't like it, and Lord, as we're walking through this life, we ask God, help us, mold us, shape us, change us. Let your word, not my words today, your word that we looked at today just burrow deep into our souls and bring instruction and comfort and peace, knowing that there's purpose in suffering, that it's revealing you, that there's, that there's help in suffering, that you are with us, that you're shepherding us, you're guarding us. You never, ever, ever leave us alone. And so, Lord, I know this, in this very room, there are people who are walking through difficult circumstances. Some are saying, life couldn't be better, this is the, the apex of my life, and we celebrate that, but some are saying, these are some of the darkest days I've ever walked through. Some are watching at home, Lord, because they can't, they're too sick to come to church. Dark days. Lord, I ask in these dark times, these dark moments right now, would you use your light to illuminate our hearts that we will see, number one, in suffering, you've not abandoned us for a moment. Rather, that suffering is an opportunity for us to become more like you and for the world to see you in us. 
So Lord, by your spirit, breathe life into our souls. Lord, in in this moment, uh, by your spirit, Lord, bring light into the darkness of the days and our souls right now as we have, as we're walking through difficulty and suffering. Churches, we're praying this morning. Just having a private moment, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. You're saying, I know I'm walking through suffering. I'm just going to challenge you, first of all, at the end of our time. Spend some time alone. Run to Jesus, not to me. Run to Jesus. Because he said, he's the guardian of your soul. He's the comforter. He's the shepherd. Run to Jesus. But some of you in this place today may not know how to run to Jesus. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're watching online. And you have never yet given your heart to Jesus. It says that he died for your sins on the cross so that you could be different. You've never gone through that so that. You've never yet come to that place of the so that where, where what Jesus did is affecting you now and you're, it's making you different. Well, the Bible says we can, we can come to Christ. We can give our lives to Jesus. He can become our Savior, a Savior, one who forgives us of all of our junk, receives us into his family. He can become our Lord, meaning the one who guides and directs us and protects us. You say, Pastor Mark, I've never done that. I've never asked Christ into my life. But today, I want to ask Christ into my life. You say, Pastor Mark, I did years and years ago, but I've walked away and I'm not even sure he'd receive me back. He will, because he brought you here today because he loves you. You want, to, you want to come back to Jesus. If that's you today, again, private moment. No one's looking around. You say, Pastor Mark, I want to receive Christ today. If that's you, this is what I want you to do. I want you just to raise up your hand. And when I see it, I'm going to tell you to put it down, okay? Anybody else? Just say yes. We're going to pray a prayer. For those who have raised their hands, those at home that have raised their hands, I'm going to invite our whole church to pray with me. You raised your hand, you said, I want Jesus. I want you just to pray this just from your heart. No special words. We're just talking to God who's here in this moment. The Lord is here with us. He's been calling you by name, and He's rejoicing that you're saying yes to Him. Let's all pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, I know that I need you. So today, I give my life completely to you. On this day, I ask you to come into my life, to make me brand new. Wash away the garbage. Fill it with your presence. And from this day forward, I want to live with you. I need you to be my guardian. I need you to be my shepherd. So on this day, I say yes to you, Jesus. I follow you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus.
Bible says that if you prayed that prayer, there's a party going on in heaven. The Lord saying, I celebrate because I've been, this is why God created the whole world for us to come in relationship with Him. I'm going to ask you if you did that today, those online and those here, do this. Before your head hits the pillow tonight, tell somebody that you know as a follower of Jesus. If you don't know anybody, call me. Call the church. Contact us online and say, I've asked Christ into my life. Because what that does is it kind of, number one, cements it in. Number two, it helps somebody else know, I want to help you walk your walk. Jesus, we're so grateful for your presence. We're so grateful for your goodness. Lord, grateful for instruction from your word that challenges us in ways that we otherwise wouldn't be. And grateful that by your spirit, you're conforming us to the image of Jesus. Pray now for your your fullness, your spirit to empower us as we walk into this world so that we can shine your love and your light in this darkness and reveal to, to everyone how wonderful you are. Thank you in your precious name. Amen. Stand with me this morning, church. close with a great blessing from scripture I challenge you if you felt like yeah, Pastor Mark I'm going, through the, I'm going through suffering I'm going through the darkness today spend some time running to Jesus this morning come spend some time down in the front or spend some time in your chair and just, just say I need you he always responds so the Lord bless you and keep you The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.